In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. The origin of All Souls Day can be traced to Odilo of Cluny in the 900s. He established the day as a day to pray for departed family members. But the practice of praying for the departed was ancient and universal. For example, St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine, left instructions to remember her at the altar when she died. And there is no known ancient descent from this practice in the early church. The Western problem with prayers for the departed is later and medieval. Objections arose when more specific beliefs developed about a place called purgatory. The implication was that one's stay in purgatory could be shortened by a combination of monetary offerings and propitiatory masses. And this was augmented by the idea that saints had quantifiable merits that could be transferred to the less meritorious. And this is what the English Reformation rejected. The problem with reform is that it tends to extreme reactions that result in the opposite errors. And thus, many Protestants developed an implicit prohibition for praying for the departed at all. And this leads to the strange situation where we pray for someone up to the day of their death and then are prohibited from praying for them thereafter. It reminds me of a, of a quip by the late canon Francis Reed of St. Peter's in Oakland. He said the definition of a Virginia Low churchman was a person who prayed, who worshipped his ancestors, but wouldn't pray for them. All Souls Day is a subset of All Saints Day. All Christians are, as St. Paul writes, called to be saints. Some Christians are known for their visible sanctity in this life. Some of these have been given the formal designation of saint. Some Christians struggle mightily in this life against the world, the flesh, and the devil. They are more known for the struggle than for the victory. God does not compare people. We come from different places and backgrounds. Some people come from generations of faithful ancestors and are raised by a faithful family. Holiness is, in a sense, easier for them. Some people come from difficult backgrounds and upbringings. For them, the pursuit of holiness is hard. However, we must note an important thing about progress and holiness. The incremental growth of a person who has many obstacles may in fact be more virtuous than the great holiness of the person who has fewer obstacles. God sees and knows each heart and its struggles. Our prayers on All Saints on All Souls Day, excuse me, our prayers on All Saints Day focus on triumphs in the pursuit of holiness. Our prayers on All Souls Day focus on the process of growth. All Souls Day assumes that God's work in us does not end at death and that our prayers for each other after death should not end. The reluctance to pray for the faithful departed results from a truncated version of the Christian life that sees souls as only saved or not saved without regard to the saved soul growing in the full experience of health and salvation. This is a problem in this life also. 
For some, once you've got your insurance policy for heaven, nothing else matters, even if many of the insured never grow past spiritual infancy. Strictly speaking, our prayers on, our soul, on All Souls Day are for the baptized, for the faithful departed. All Souls Day is not a post-mortem evangelism campaign. It is a prayer for those who belong to the communion of the saints. The words in our prayer for their church highlight our intention. We say, we bless the holy name for all thy servants departed this life in thy faith and fear, beseeching thee to grant them continual growth in thy love and service. The idea of growth is sometimes connected with a sense of purgation or cleansing by fire. This is a thoroughly biblical image. The Holy Spirit descended in tongues of fire on Pentecost. The fire enters our life to purify us. As St. Peter writes, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In one of our Holy Spirit hymns, we pray, Oh, let it freely burn till earthly passions turn to dust and ashes in its heat consuming. This is a purifying rather than a punitive purgation. We pray for it in this life and in the next. There's a natural psychological impulse to pray for the departed. If we cared for people and prayed for them while they were living, why would death eliminate our ability to care for them and express our care in this way? A faith that does not find salvation conceptually, but does not provide a means to emotionally process the reality of death, that does not allow us to offer those we love to God in prayer, seems shallow and inadequate. Jesus will come again in glory to judge. He will reveal all things on that day. In the meantime, we offer prayers for the faithful departed. Whether we have a certain presenting joy because of the evident faith and holiness of those who have gone before, or whether we pray in a penitential mood for God's mercy on those who struggled, it is meet and right to pray for them and offer them to God in hope as we wait together for the trumpet to sound, for the dead to be raised, and for God to complete his work in all of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.